Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Nicholas Gillenram. Nicholas Gillenram is an expert in software development and Android automotive with 20 years of experience from in-vehicle and cloud development, both as a Tier 1 supplier and as an OEM. Gillenram co-founded Aiden Automotive in 2021 to revolutionize how vehicles can be truly connected with other vehicles, infrastructure, and service providers to offer a completely new connected vehicle experience. Before Aiden Automotive, Gillen Ram spent seven years at Volvo Cars, where he built up the internal software development teams as the head of infotainment platform development. He started and led the development of the world's first Android automotive-based infotainment systems that launched in 2020. Well, good afternoon, Nicholas. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Brian. Very nice to have me here. Absolutely. And it's awesome that, you know, I tell my audience just about every day when I meet a new person, new guest, which gets me out of the bed in the morning, but having to speak to somebody that was a native of Sweden now is in the United States, got a successful company here and can't wait to get your story out there. So I appreciate you making the time for us today. Thank you. Thanks. You're very welcome. So Nicholas, let's jump right into the questions here. Let's talk about your career just a little bit. You have an awesome career as an engineer and software product manager, director. Now you're the co-founder and CEO of Aiden Automotive. Could you share with our audience the secret to your career growth and what inspires you? Sure. I actually started, I've worked in a lot of very large companies like Volvo Cars, Mitsubishi Electric, and so on. And I realized afterwards, after I founded Aiden now, that I've probably always worked in kind of startup mode. I've always tried to surround myself or I was always attracted to people who were, you know, wanted to do things, people who didn't say no, but instead tried to find solutions to whatever it was we wanted to do. Those were the people I tried to engage with. And I realized that myself, I I had the privilege of having some, some great managers over the years that just let me do that. So I think that was what both inspired me and actually grew my career. That's how I managed to get things done in the end. So I think it's it's always been a bit of a, a startup from within kind of deal, both at Mitsubishi Electric and at Ericsson and at Volvo Cars and, and so on. And many of the major achievements I actually managed to to do with, at those companies were based more on not asking for permission, but instead asking for forgiveness afterwards, maybe. That's that's awesome. And, and the fact a lot of entrepreneurs have come out of organizations where they might be limiting your capabilities or your thought process or your ideas or not. But in, in most cases, something was burning inside that entrepreneur and they wanted to do something that was greater than themselves and be able to provide a solution for the world. And sometimes you can't do that in your existing environment. So I appreciate you sharing that story. Exactly. I, I actually think that it shouldn't be allowed inside organizations to say no when someone comes and asks, hey, I want to do this. Can I do it? No should not be a valid answer. What what you should say is either please solve this other problem instead, or you should say you can solve it in this different way. I mean, just saying no is not, that's not a valid answer. You, You need to find ways to get things done. Ultimately, I mean, that's why I started coding and why I became an engineer. I wanted to build things. And that's the whole point. Absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that. And that's something that resonates. That same message resonates through a lot of our entrepreneurs that come on this show. So thank you, Nicholas. I appreciate that. Nicholas, let's talk about your platform or your company, Aiden. It touts first white label and bi-directional service hub for the automotive industry. Can you maybe share with us what makes this so unique? Sure. 
Actually, I think ultimately what we're doing is we're making cars smart, turning cars into smart cars. You can you can think of it as if you go back and think about like computers in the 80s and 90s, the first computers were not really smart. But what happened with, well, the personal computer, the PC, was actually that there was a, a platform on which you didn't get software only from the computer manufacturer. Suddenly you were able to get software from any third party, and that kind of turned computers into smart computers. And then the same thing happened with phones. You had the, the phones made by Nokia and Ericsson, and they, they weren't really smart. You had all the right hardware there already. But what really turned them into smartphones was when Google and Apple opened up ecosystems for third-party services. It wasn't actually really Apple's software or Google's software that turned them into smartphones. It was the fact that you suddenly could have third-party content running on your phone, on your device, and that's really what made them smart. That's really what we're ultimately trying to do with cars now. And that's really what we've built. And cars are different from phones. They're not phones at all, even though many people might say that. They're special in many different ways. One of them, and phones are basically the same use case across the world, globally, in all countries. They just come in a different some some different variations in size or different cameras and, and so on, but they're basically the same device. They all look the same. Cars do not. You have very different needs if you want a car and you have a big family or no family, or if you live in rural Montana or if you if you live in Paris. And that's really why you see such fragmentation in the in the car industry. There's no one car company that will ever be able to serve all those different use cases or different needs, really. That's why you have such variation with so many different car companies. But the problem is there's not really any working ecosystem when it comes to in-car services. What's happened recently and what I actually started when I was at Volvo Cars, I started Volvo's collaboration with Google building the world's first Android automotive-based infotainment systems that launched in 2020, so three years ago now. And that's a great platform now. The whole car industry is following all the big car manufacturers like uh, Ford, GM, BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, Honda, Nissan. All of them are, are now building Android automotive-based infotainment systems, which is great. Suddenly, you can run apps in the car. And when, when I started the Android project with Volvo, I actually thought, great, we've solved it. Now the cars will be connected. What I realized three years ago, roughly when we started Aiden, was that it actually works great for entertainment and navigation, but there's other types of needs in vehicles where apps actually doesn't really fulfill it. And those are the things that we're serving, really. You can think of, for example, um, the, the difference is with apps is that it's in a user-initiated action where you as the user, you start something because I want to listen to Spotify or I want to find my way from here to San Francisco. But then when you get there, you need to, for example, park. And suddenly you have a problem because to park your car, you, there's like, you need five or 10 different apps. You need to find the right one. And then you start it. And then you can only find those parking spots. Or same thing with charging, for example. Or if you want, maybe you have an app from your insurance company. You probably don't typically start your insurance app on your phone every time you're, you're out driving, which means you're insurance company actually have no real relationship with you until after you might have had some kind of incident. That's the point when you when you typically start your insurance app. So the needs are very different for those services. 
And what we have built is, is instead of an app platform, we call it, uh, for lack of a better word, we call it a service hub. So we enable services to communicate with the vehicle in the background. And suddenly, for example, the parking service is able to get whatever information they need from the car so they can, for example, get the location of the vehicle whenever the vehicle is in the vicinity of their parking garages or something like that, where they will know that, oh, now you've parked in my garage. And then they, instead of you as the, the driver having to find the right app, they actually can automatically serve it to you as a notification in, in the vehicle. That was a long answer, but it's a service hub providing a new type of, of it's not apps, a new type of services. and and. That's really what we're doing. So we're making it possible for you to get automated parking services or charging services or insurance services. Suddenly, if you have, for example, your let's say you have a flat tire, then your insurance company will be able to detect that and will be able to push a notification to the car so that you can then get roadside assistance. Or if you have some incident, you can start filing a claim and basically streamline that whole process. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing that, Nicholas. That's very helpful. There's a lot of things that uh, we can do to make things better. And you just highlighted a few of those. So thank you. Now, Nicholas, we're a technology platform. We like to talk about tech a little bit. And I appreciate your background. Uh, That's where I started to cut my teeth in the technology space years ago. You're obviously leveraging some new and emerging technologies in your tech stack. Is there anything you might be able to share with us today? Yeah, sure. The The biggest thing is that we're leveraging the fact that all new car platforms that are built currently basically are built on Android Automotive in the infotainment domain. And that actually is a big thing because that's the first thing that you have a common shared software development environment, which is shared across different brands and, and different models. It actually used to be that every car manufacturer had their own proprietary platform. It used to be once upon a time, it was based on Windows CE and before and after that, it was Linux for a while. But now for the first time, we have one platform across, for example, Volvo cars or BMW or, or Nissan or Renault or GM and so on. And that means that it's suddenly possible to write software that actually easily can be deployed across all those different car brands. And that's what we've done. We've built a system application that runs on Android, managing all the vehicle communication in one way. And that's that means we do the heavy lifting of having to do all the vehicle integration, but we only have to do it once. It's very, very simple for the uh, car manufacturers. They just install our app and boom, immediately that vehicle is, is connected. We actually just last week installed with one of the biggest OEMs here in the US and in, in Detroit. And our just as an example of how easy it is, our first initial contact with them was at CES in Las Vegas, beginning of January. And a month and a half later, we had a couple of meetings and then we installed it. And now it's actually running in a car up in Detroit. So that's the main thing we're leveraging. The second thing we're leveraging is actually simple web app technology. We're making it possible for any service provider, anyone that wants to offer or might want to offer uh, any kind of service in a vehicle is able to do so with what we call a no-code or low-code solution. Instead of having to build apps, you can do whatever you currently are offering on uh, through on your web pages through browsers. Typically, now you can offer those solutions to vehicles. So what it means is really that car manufacturers can easily actually on individual cars define exactly which services they want to make available. 
service providers like the parking services or maintenance or insurance or whatever it might be can build and maintain their services without having to deploy software into the, the different car manufacturers systems and can independently maintain that. And owners and drivers of cars can freely and dynamically at any given point select ex- exactly which services they actually want to run in the car. That's awesome. And thank you. And I'm glad to hear that we've standardized on a platform. I know it's been a challenge over the years. You know this in technology. What is a standard, the definition, right? There's a million jokes we can tell about that. Yeah. It's, it's actually what one of my old managers at Mitsubishi Electric told me. Standards are great. That's why everybody wants their own. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And I think I've heard that years ago, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Nicholas, last question here. Could you share something from your career experience that might be helpful for those looking to grow their career in either automotive or technology? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me that actually took a couple of years for me to to realize was that you should not trust what's considered like established truths. I I realized I I might be going back to the same thing of what, what I started with. Don't take no for an answer kind of. When people tell you that, no, we've all already tried that, but doesn't work, that only means that someone tried it in a setting at some given point in time and things change. So there's so many established truths in not, not only technology, there's established truths in financing and in, in whatever. That's only a snapshot of something that was true at that given point in time under those circumstances. To me, that was at least the key to be able to start thinking outside of the box, simply because someone said that, no, there's, I mean, I, I started thinking about having Android in vehicles, maybe 2008, something like that, 2009. And back then, there were good reasons why that was not a good idea, and it really didn't work very well. But then 2016 was a different situation, and suddenly you could do that. For a number of reasons, I could go into all those details, but I won't. Uh, I I think that would be my number one advice, really. Don't trust established truths. Question things. Always question things. I think that's really the key. I love when people question me because it it leads to um, either I get to sharpen my arguments for whatever I'm arguing or I realize I'm wrong. And both of those are good outcomes. And I think it's good when people question whatever they're told. Thank you. And you're right. I mean, every every experience was in a different time, circumstance, or environment. And sometimes things need to be re-looked at. So I appreciate the insights, the gems for our audience today. Well, well, thank you. It was a pleasure joining your podcast. Absolutely. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Awesome. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye.